Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just some high flying, ran fast vertical stems of professors from Penn watching eagles eat and pray like pazookies on birthdays. It's Philadelphia, Marissa Bowen, Zach kicking it cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Marissa Bowen, Zach are here to squeeze. Don't miss the mistress talk on some. I have a radio hit that I'm late for. I'm gonna give my prediction. You guys can stick on. Is that okay? Unbelievable. We, like, we now we find out who has priority. This is ridiculous. We've been on for an hour and 35 minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Looking forward to the post game pod. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends at 1:03 a.m. Friday morning after Thursday night's second preseason game. The Eagles and Browns settle things in a tie. That's okay. You know, we didn't we didn't want Michael Dunn to lose, but you probably didn't want the Eagles to lose. So it's a fine result. But the real story here, Zach, is, you know, you have to be willing and open-eyed when greatness is a is afoot. And are you talking about you as a writer? I think it's undeniable at this point. It's been two games. I think we can say definitively that in the sixth round, the Eagles drafted the next great quarterback. Tanner McKee is him. <laughs> that is premature. Don't I wouldn't say he's the next great quarterback. I would say he's exceeding expectations. He's been playing well throughout the summer. He played well tonight. He played significantly better than Marcus Mariota tonight. And Nick Sirianni said it's too soon to make this a competition for the number two spot. He said Mariota's the backup. But it's clear watching McKee that the Eagles have something here. What that is too soon to say, but they have something here. It is wild that once again, history is repeating itself. You know, the Eagles sign Carson Wentz to a mega extension. They draft a quarterback. That quarterback takes his job in his first year. <laughs> yeah. Now I, the Eagles have see. signed Jalen Hurts to a mega contract and Tanner McKee is here. And as a rookie, he's going to take that job. Well, that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen, but Tanner McKee could be a cost-controlled backup quarterback for the next th- you know three years. Maybe we got to get closer to the mic when we do these. Closer to the mic, and I'm, I'm we're getting comments about the. I don't know if it's the we we try clearing off the camera. Yeah, we it's, got no producer tonight. We're flying by the seat. No, of it's the, it's the lighting at, at these yeah. places. The lighting's not for podcasting. The lighting's for coaching or yeah, whatever they do in these boxes. Um, but we're on site. We're giving you the feel for the stadium. If we turn this around, you would see. The field in front of us, you know, it's the preseason when they don't when they don't have the logo midfield or the names in the end zones, right? Um, but no, as as we uh, as we were discussing with Tanner McKee, it's we've we maybe overreacted to the Clayton Thorson experience in saying that you you can't find a quarterback. Who's we? Like, I didn't I never said that. I said he wasn't clapping, thepping, wasn't it? But the upside I mean, of hitting on that yeah, oh, is, yeah. is certainly worth it. But you did write about quarterbacks after round what? Yeah, round the, the history or... is not good. But but the upside of it makes it worth sure. it, I think, potentially. Here's the deal. A sixth-round rookie, okay, in his rookie preseason, goes 22 of 32 over the course of preseason for 254 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, 
yards per attempt. That's Tom Brady in 2000, Zach. <laughs> Tanner McKee. Look at that. That was well done. 20 of 38 mm -hmm. for 295 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 7.8 yards per attempt. I don't think it's a stretch to compare the two. Well, I think it's a stretch to compare the two, but I don't think it's a stretch to say that what Tanner McKee's doing this summer is the story of the preseason. And what competition? Potentially the story of the year. Well, nationally, internationally. <laughs> well, he does have a lot of international ties, right? He what, mm. what country in South America was he in? Brazil for two Brazil years. For two years. Yes. And what's so, I think, um, extra special about this is what another huge hit for the Bo Wolf Camp Crush. It always goes back to the Bo Wolf Camp Crush, right? Well, the thing is, when you name 30 players, no. you're bound to hit on one of them. No. As you said, Tanner McKee went on his, his LDS mission to Brazil. This is a man who's clearly open to <laughs> multiple partners. <laughs> <laughs> right. So for me to have Tanner McKee along with Christian Ellis, who I thought was good tonight, and Reed Blankenship and Mora Wajomo, the core four. <laughs> the core four. I think he's happy. Okay. I think we're all happy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's uh I'm 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 with you. I'm I'm McKee playing well. I don't think it reflects anything on you, although you did say I'll give you credit. Bo deserves credit here. We were uh, walking off the practice field about two days in. He said, I hate to say it, but I, I, see, I see something in McKee. And honestly, I should have trusted my gut yeah. because what I did see right away was Mike Lennon. No, I mean the neck. Yeah, I did. I did say uh, he, has a, he has a bit of a Glennon neck situation. Not quite fully giraffe like Glennon, but um, what are what are Reed and Sloan's Ryan favorite Mount, animals? Who, what's that? What are their favorite animals? Favorite animals. Reed, Reed and Sloan. No, I'm, I'm familiar with Reed and Sloan. I was, I was thinking their favorite animals. I got, to, I got to meet Reed for the first time tonight. Yeah, Reed came to the game. Uh, their favorite animals. Um, they don't have like one that they, they love. They have like stuffed animals that they okay. love, but not like Not actual. in general. Okay. Yeah, they're not. I, 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 I've taken giraffe. them to the zoo. Okay. Yeah, loves a giraffe. They all know my favorite animal. Let me guess. Um, the early bird. No, but that would be a good one. Uh, no, the zebra. Oh, interesting. Why? Well, two reasons. It begins with a Z. Okay. And this is going to sound cheesy, but no two zebras have the same stripes. And I think that's uh, kind of like reflective of people, right? You know, mm -hmm. you, you, try to find interesting. The, you try to find a good in everybody. So Zebra's a little bit lazy, though, which is not like you. <laughs> I, I yeah, no, I I took Reed and Sloan to the zoo, and I was explaining to them how ze how you can find something worthwhile mm. in every zebra because everyone's unique. But okay. uh, let's let's get to the uh, so the, what what I was going to say what yeah. what I did and you know this is not about me, but it it's is. never about you. What I did see right away, mm -hmm. and what I think was clear right away is that you know we have seen these quarterbacks whether they are, you know, Clapp and Thippen or undrafted guys like Carson Strong or even guys like Nick Mullins who have been in camp. Like the jitteriness, the, uh, the holding of the ball, the slow to process. Right away, I thought it was clear that Tanner McKee was, was seeing things, making quick decisions, and getting the ball out accurately. What, what, what I hadn't seen was that all of these, all of these passes – Almost like a hundred percent were within ten sure. to fifteen yards of line of scrimmage. They were it was, so it was like, is this guy just a check down? I think he was just reading what the defense was giving him. Um, and what we've seen here is it's 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 wild. I mean, I don't think he took a bad snap tonight. Like he he was he was uh, ten of eighteen for one forty seven tonight. He had five balls that were like stone cold drops, hit a guy in both hands. Uh, he had one throwaway and two other catchable balls. Um, and he's throwing the ball downfield. He's identifying these one-on-one -on -one matchups. And I do not think at all that it is – we talked about it last week. Is it realistic to think that he could push Marcus Mariota for the number two job? Last week I said I don't think so. I think um, 
you know, they're, they're a little bit too pot committed to Marcus Mariota. There is a much bigger sample size here. You know, Marcus Mariota, even as, as aesthetically ugly as, as his game is, and boy, is it aesthetically ugly. You know, he was 18th out of 33 quarterbacks last year uh, in EPA per dropback, which doesn't even in, factor in his, his ability with his legs as just a runner. Uh, as a backup quarterback, that's great. But I don't think it's too early anymore. I don't think that's crazy anymore. I think it's just a real thing. Now, Nick Sirianni was asked about this. Tim McManus did a good job framing it like you are Mr. Competitive Guy. Is it too early to say that, that Tanner McKee can push Marcus Mariota? He said way too early. Now, of course, he has to say that. Um, yeah. He and I has to protect the veteran. He's not going to take a shot there. But if the idea behind Marcus Mariota as the backup quarterback is that you can run a similar offense, I'm starting to think that that is um, the wrong idea because – to call this like the quarterback inclusive part of the run game is a big part of the offense. But you know what's a bigger part of the offense? A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And I don't think that anybody in the organization right now would trust that Marcus Mariota can consistently get the ball to A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. And what has been so impressive about Tanner McKee is that he is identifying these matchups and he is throwing these catchable balls to guys like Tyree Cleveland and Deion Kane. If he's throwing those same balls to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith and getting the ball out quickly, like I, I think they could be okay on offense. I think they could, I think they could stay above water. A few things here. First off, sounds like a good column. I look forward to reading yeah. that. Number one. Number two, I don't disagree with you as far as the rationale. Number three. What jumps out to me when I watch McKee, in addition to what you say, that I didn't see in the first two weeks of camp because he, he really had to throw these outs, if you will, more than he does now or, or, or more than he did early on, is the zip that he has on the ball. He had a pass to the left sideline over here that it just it came out of his hand differently than quarterbacks we've seen in the past. That jumped out to me. Um, to take this further, though, not to play well. I suppose to play devil's advocate, but to try to put put myself in the in the shoes of the coaches for a second. Marcus Mariota's been there, done that, right? He's taken a team to the playoffs. He's played in big games, and similarly to how you say uh, he would benefit playing with AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard and uh, and and Devontae Smith, he's not going against complex defenses right now. He's not 100%. going against top defenders right now, and those holes. My, you know, he gave a good answer. I, I talked about it last week when he said the speed of the game's faster, but so are the players. Well, those defenders, those first team defenders are better than the third team defenders. So, uh, but your point is taken. And Marcus Mariota has been objectively bad this summer. Uh, and it's just he misfires on these passes that so wildly the interception tonight. Was like three yards over Grant Calcaterra's head. This guy was wide open. <laughs> yeah, and we've uh, we've talked about these throws that he has at practice, where like uh, uh, there was Grant one. Grant Calcaterra, like every day, is going home, going home, looking in the mirror, like trying to jump as high as he possibly can. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, there googling was... like rocket boots. Like, yeah, there was one on Tuesday when I was I was standing next to Shield at practice. Flex and Mark. Yeah, it is Flex. Shield's a national writer. I was trying to learn something, uh, and. Marcus Mariota throws it to the left sideline. Uh, that's 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 where we were standing. And I'm like, Whoa. like the ball went over our heads. It's like, who's he throwing that to? Yeah, that is a Thorson special. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so point being there that I I, I haven't been as impressed with uh, Mariota. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've been talking about that quarterback documentary, mm. but. Man, there have been throws where he even had it there. We're like, where is he throwing this ball to? And that is a concern. And I, I hadn't thought about it the way you just framed it, but that is the way they should think that, all right, if Jalen Hurts isn't in there, your offense is your best players, right? Yeah. That should be your focus, not how you can run the offense you have. It's how you can maximize your best players. Jalen Hurts, when he's on the field, is perhaps your best player or one of your best, you know, one of your best players. So you run an offense to maximize him. When he's not out there, Tanner McKee or Marcus Mariota would not be one of your best players. So therefore, what you do, and no offense to Tanner McKee, what you do there is you highlight 
Devontae, AJ, and Dallas. So you bring up a good point. I haven't thought about it framed that way, but I'm probably going to steal that now. Yeah, I mean, listen. If you're just looking at the odds and, like, what's more likely, uh, what's more strikely, as we once played, a guy who has been in the league uh, as long as Marcus Mariota has and has been a, a competent quarterback, you know, barely, but a competent quarterback. No, he's, he's, been, he's been competent. Um, a guy who, as I said, was, was average for a starting quarterback last year by the numbers. Um, obviously, it's more likely that that guy is going to be um, adequate in a pinch than a sixth-round rookie. But, like, this business for the coaches and for the, and for the personnel guys, like, it's about trusting your eyes. And, like, there's no way that you could watch what we've been watching over the past two weeks and think that Marcus Mariota is, is better right now. You can contextualize it and say that, yeah, he's, he is um, working against maybe better defenses, um, his particular skill set is not as well suited to shine in um, in these things. And I think that there is a case where, like, you know, um, if Marcus Mariota is exactly as we've seen this summer and Tanner McKee is 75% of what we've seen this summer, like, yeah, you probably can build an offense that could win a game better with Marcus Mariota because you can lean into his legs and maybe you can scrap things out. Um, whereas if Tanner McKee is – you know, is a pumpkin, it's going to be ugly. He doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to save things with his legs. Um, I, I just, I just like, I got to trust my eyes. It, yeah. Well, so, so we go back to the scouting process here for a bit. Uh, I mean, not to get big picture, but I, I think when the Eagles looked at the tape of, of, of Tanner McKee, they saw plays that were made, but the offense, like whether it was the offensive line or the receivers, just didn't help him out. And I know this is a hypothetical you can probably make for 30 quarterbacks, but if you put him with Alabama skill players, right, Mm. what does he look like? Because he didn't have that type of team last year, although I hear Michael Wilson's playing real well out in Arizona. Little birdie said that. Um, But uh, – I think think Tanner McKee is already, and not hyperbole, the third best quarterback in the NFC East. Well, that is ridiculous, Bo. Why? You think he's the third best quarterback in the NFC East? You think he's better than Daniel Jones? Yes. Well, that is preposterous. That is preposterous. You see this guy play two preseason games against backups, and you think he's better than Daniel Jones? I mean, I do. Daniel Jones would have done that tonight, and he would have run. I have never in my life seen. I've seen Daniel Jones play live a lot. I have never seen him make any of these throws. You've seen Daniel Jones play against. Really good defensive line every week. You've seen Daniel Jones play, you know, against Darius Slay, and, and I mean, come on, that is. I mean, he's he, he and the other thing about Tanner McKee, he's pretty classy. He's pretty classy. How so? I just mean as a, if we're if, if I know you are so fond of the Giants that like the <laughs> the sheen of classiness <laughs> is something that you're always gonna uh, uh, you know. He's Stanford educated. Go to. He's Stanford educated. Um, um, I talked to some of the guys uh, in the locker room tonight about, you know, Tan- you know, Tanner McKee. It is funny, like the dynamic of that quarterback room, I think, because you've got Jalen Hurts, you've got Marcus Margota, you've got Ian Book, all these guys who like are very, uh, very fast for quarterbacks. And then you got Tanner McKee, who's bumbling around a little bit um, at six, six, whatever he is. And he's and I was like, you know, do the guys like make fun of you? Um, mm-hmm. Is that a thing? He said, well, yeah, like a little bit sometimes like Fred Johnson, you know, the monstrous veteran tackle likes to tell me that he's faster than me that he can beat me in a race um and so then i went to talk to fred johnson and he's like oh yeah i'm not i'm not telling marcus Mariota i'm faster than him it's like it's tanner mckee <laughs> oh, but, this is a book home but, i like this but he and dennis kelly were both you know these guys have been in the league for a while fred johnson's entering his fifth year dennis kelly's entering year 12 and they're like you know for a rookie it is a little bit unique the way like he he takes command of the huddle but it's not um inorganic it's a little bit like it's it's uh what's the word i'm looking for uh uh, i don't know the word you're looking for or it is it is organic it's it's, um so what's the word like the the word we used for syriani all the time it's authentic authentic. yeah oh it's 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 authentic um and listen like i've heard stories of 
in the spring, Tanner McKee's got like all the rookies after OTA practice or rookie minicamps. He's got these guys in the in the parking lot, like walking, doing a walkthrough, like mm-hmm. going through the playbook. And he said on, at the podium that like his job as the quarterback is to know the offense inside and out. So if somebody comes to him, he knows the, the route depth and he knows the checks and he knows the splits and all these things. And um, I don't know. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit smitten. OK, uh, a quick question here. I think he. I think he'd start. I think he should start on at least ten teams in the NFL this year. Well, that's that's ridiculous. But um, I mean, there's some there's some really bad starters. Yeah, I think it's premature. I, I I do want you do this to me a lot. I want to do this to you. Let's 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 go behind the story for a second. So you go up to Fred Johnson in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean Fred Johnson's not not typically like a popular guy for reporters to approach in the locker room. Um, what We've was talked Fred, before? No, no, yeah, sure he had. I know he. I've spoken yeah. to him before. Um, but I'm saying after a preseason game, it's not like there's a crowd around Fred Johnson's yeah. locker. What's Fred Johnson's reaction when you go up? Is he is he eager to talk? Is he like, what's this going to be about? What's what? uh, he was happy to talk. I Good. approached him as he was on his way to the shower to say I wanted to, to talk to him. He said, yeah, he'd be right back. Um, this is one where uh, there was like nobody left in the locker room, and and the one of the PR officials said they were going to close it up. I was like, I I just got like. <laughs> A minute for Fred Johnson, if you don't mind, uh, which it's got to be the first time he's heard that. But yeah, yeah, we made it happen. Yeah. Were they asking why or were they like, all right, I respect that, Bo? I don't know. I wasn't yeah, I was okay. I wasn't talking to them. I was okay. talking to Fred Johnson to Fred and Dennis Johnson. Kelly. Gotcha. Um, and, and Dennis. And, okay. And Dennis Kelly. Well, Dennis okay. was a little bit before, but gotcha. they're, they're, their lockers are right next to each other. Gotcha. Um, I noticed, you know, some of the players, <laughs> I don't know if I start. Well, I started it. I, I got to finish it. Some of the players they give this time of year, there's not enough lockers for for players. So yes. guys got to share lockers. And even like Alamani Zacchaeus shares a locker this this time of year. Fred Johnson so gets Zacchaeus, his own. So Zacchaeus. Fred Johnson Zacchaeus, gets his own. So Zacchaeus, I'm assuming Zacchaeus. it's because Fred Johnson's so big that right. Like <laughs> yeah, I guess you can't split. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if you have a 350 pound guy, you got to give him space to change. Whereas probably so. Whereas like Zacchaeus, you know, he he's he's what 100. Well, Fred Johnson's been here longer. I don't know. True, true. Ask Chris Long how he feels about having to share mm, a locker yes. back when he was. Yeah. I have a question for the live viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a weird thing? Is this is this an unbecoming thing to do? This is this is popcorn. Okay, I've got popcorn in this cup, and this is what I usually do if I have popcorn during the game. Okay, I just I just. Well, you pulled off well. I don't think um, it's becoming, but I do that because I don't want my hands, hands to get greasy. You don't want popcorn hands. on the on the on the keyboard. I hear you there. Yeah, but I do feel a little bit self conscious about people behind me looking at me yeah. just like yeah. pouring popcorn down my gullet. But you know what? Those popcorn hands, those popcorn hands, then they get all over the keyboard, and yeah, you can't. I mean, I can't. I I would rather not have popcorn yeah. than use my hands. But like, am I getting am I getting judged by the people behind me? What do we think uh, on the chat? Well, I think people at the game are watching the game. They're not watching you. Speak for yourself. You really think they're watching you? You really think people are like... Um, I think people behind me may not be focused on me, but they see me continually just gotcha. pouring popcorn down my mouth. They're probably thinking, that's a little bit weird. I don't know. Are we ready to do your grouse yet? People are saying totally socially acceptable behavior. Okay. So, okay. I like that. Uh, Chopsticks is, would be a good idea, but... I don't know if I'm going to remember to bring chopsticks every time. So our 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 audience knows that when something bothers Bo, he is not shy about it. And Bo has has a grouse this year that you'll hear all season. Mm, I have actually I have two grouses. Okay, one you, is completely unrelated, but these windows are getting on your nerves, and I see it now. It's the preseason. I can only imagine what's going to happen in a high. You know, then the the opener, the season opener is a Thursday night game against Minnesota. I can only really imagine. Really generous from the chat. Every, it seems like the chat is unanimously behind my popcorn <laughs> yeah. move. So uh, that, that makes me feel better. I can only imagine a high leverage, you know, Kirk Cousins trying to hit Justin Jefferson. Uh, Reed Blankenship makes a break on the ball. And all of a sudden, as Reed Blankenship's making a break on the ball, he passes the bar. And you can't see the break. And you just exclaim. Well, I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've explained what's going on here yet. Passes I, th- the I bar. thought we discussed it. Did we talk about it? Did we discuss it after the open practice? Did we? I don't remember if we touched on it. So here's the deal. I know you talked about it on Twitter. The but. Eagles have have changed the glass in the press box. To me, 
the glass is the most important thing in a, in the press box. Okay. Um, because you're there to watch the game for the entirety of my time on the beat. The Eagles have had, in my estimation, the best glass in the league. Now there are some, there are a few where it's totally open like the, uh, the Superdome, but the Eagles glass was pristine, nicely cleaned, very large and no separators between the panes of glass. It was all clear. You could see everything. Uh, now, like there are some things that come into play about the actual location of the press box. Like where is it um, sightline wise? So the Eagles one is good. Um, I would have had them top, top of the list in, in glass pane. And I think that's the most important thing. If I'm ranking the most important things in a press box, it's uh, it's like view, which is location and glass. Then it's like a uh, space work space around you. And then everything else is, is less necessary. It's those are the two main things. Eagles have great space in the press box. It's a, it's a good press box space wise. The one we were in Baltimore, very cramped, not mm-hmm. good. Uh, but they made the decision this off season um, so that they could sell tickets for concerts um, to put in a new kind of glass that can be removed for concerts. And so that means it's on this sliding thing and the panes are not see-through and they are enormous. And if you are stuck in a bad spot, it's going to really ruin your viewing experience. I think they're going to hear it from the like the Eagles officials who are behind mm-hmm. us in the press box. They are going to have a really hard time seeing the game now. Listen, the Eagles should making should be making their decisions for the betterment of the organization. And if they're making more money off selling those uh, selling those concert tickets, good for them. That's great. Uh, they should not be worried about us. But the truth is that it's it makes our job less uh, less good. I don't know. It's hard. It's this is like the the biggest first world problem in the world. But our view has gotten worse. There's no doubt about that. You disagree? I don't disagree. I mean, I, it's kind of, to me, it's, it's part of the deal. It's, they changed the glass. It's fine. Deal yeah, with it. Just, you know, we're all I, playing with the same conditions. I'm not complaining. I, I'm saying that they did what they needed to do. But. I wish they opened it more. You know, I, I like the open air press box. If, if, if you, uh, a lot of baseball ballparks have the open air and you feel part of the game, you don't feel as, as removed. So I would have liked the open air, even wearing a jacket. Mm. Um, Here's the other thing I want. This is completely unrelated to football. And then we'll talk about the game. Do you want to talk about this now? Can I save it for later? I'll save it for later. Okay. Um, Okay. So do you think, do you think it is realistic to think that Tanner McKee could be the number two quarter? Do you think it's realistic to think they could move on from Marcus Mariota? His contract is prohibitive from whacking him unless they come to some kind of agreement. Maybe Marcus Mariota wants to leave and hit the open market so that he can find a better spot. Uh, But otherwise, uh, it's like an eight million dollar cap hit, um, even though it's a one year five million dollar deal. So I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna cut him because even if even if McKee overtakes him, you know, you might as well keep him as your third quarterback um, unless he's gonna leave the team again. But, yeah, I I think I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it could be a conversation. Uh, but I think for the security purposes of having a guy who's who's done it, uh, if you give Mariota a chance to be free. You know, I'm going back to the quarterback documentary, the last episode when he signed in Philadelphia. Um, you would have thought that that like he was. Tr- no, I know Hawaii's a far away away, but you would have thought that he's he's going to like a different planet. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, Philadelphia. You know, that's that's far. Every comment was how far that was. So I imagine he would probably try to look for a place closer to Vegas. I think where he's, where he lives in mm. the off season. But no, but I I think Mariota's going to be here. It makes sense and. uh it's going to be – the what I do wonder is if something were to happen to Jalen Hurts and it's an extended absence, do you go with Tanner McKee there for the reason you said, you build an offense around that arm? And the other thing is, I mean, players know. Like, the locker room knows. Well, they always know – yeah, they always know first. They're yeah. not They're not watching what's been going yeah. on this summer and thinking they'd rather have Marcus Mariota out there. It's just – well. I keep going back to this, okay? In two th- I've said this on the pod. In 2017, Nick Foles was either bad sure. or hurt, one or the other. Uh, and it was 
There are stories with my byline. Do the Eagles have a problem at backup quarterback? They need Carson Wentz to stay healthy. And Nick Foles goes on to win Super Bowl MVP. And he would tell you he needed time to get right. Like he wasn't what he needed to be that summer. Uh, but that's why you, you, you have Mariota because he's, he's been there. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay. Are we still on? Uh, I think we can move okay. on from, from the quarterback. Uh, so uh, the, I think the other big ahead, story okay. in this game, um, and it's an unfortunate one, but the Eagles have been healthier on the healthy side throughout the summer. You know, Sean Bradley has had had a bad injury and uh, Patrick Johnson's been out and Covey and, and Watkins. But the injury list has been fairly forgiving for this time of year. Tonight, six guys left early, two guys, uh, very frightening scenes taken off on stretchers. Uh, and what a bad job by the by the crowd. Tyree Cleveland and Morrow Ajomo. Yeah. Tyree Cleveland wasn't moving on the field. They like the stretchers coming out. They're loading them on. There was like the wave goes around like 10 more times. What are these people doing? Yeah, I got to think they weren't watching the game. So that's 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 my guess. Um, but no, the, uh, the good thing is both of them have movement in their ex- extremities. Nick Sirianni said they're moving around. He said the team will give us more information. We, we, we don't yet have more information, but uh, that is the latest with with uh, those two. In addition, Zach McPherson had an injury that looks serious. I'm not a doctor, but yeah. looks serious. Uh, carted off the field. Josh Andrews, I didn't see the injury when it happened, but he was uh, declared out pretty quickly. Then the other two injuries, Alamity Zacchaeus, uh, he's fine. I, ch- I chatted with him briefly in the, in the locker room, said nothing to worry about. He returned to the sideline. It's a shoulder injury. And then Nolan Smith was clearly laboring. Um, he said he was fine. Uh, I spoke to him. He said, you know, he he takes care. It, it, he, he obviously missed six games at Georgia last year with the labrum injury. And he said tonight that it was, it just felt like a little stinger. He could have gone back in the game. Uh, he tried to play with it. They took him out, but I guess the, we'll see what happens with it, with, with Moro Ajomo and Tyree Cleveland, both of whom have been playing well. Cleveland had a really good week this week. Ajomo's not getting the attention that the top, you know, that the top young defensive linemen are, but he has impressed. And, uh, and, and and you just hope that they're both healthy. Absolutely. And then McPherson, well yeah, Mc, uh, McPherson in his case, um, that if, if that's a season ender, then the Eagles are going to have to figure out what to do with backup slot. He wasn't a shorter spot on the roster. Right. Mario Goodrich was pushing, 
But uh, Avante Maddox has been injury prone in his career. So you need to have a plan there. And then Josh Andrews, I didn't think he was going to make the 53. I thought he was a practice squad possibility for elevation. But the Eagles are particularly thin at backup center. They've been going with Julian Good-Jones a bit there this this week. But um, certainly Andrews something was to watch. Andrews was the first one up tonight, yep. though. Yeah. Yep. So something to watch there. Yeah, well said. Well, uh, I guess we'll wait and see what the actual uh, designations for those guys are. Yep. But but in terms of the biggest roster ramifications, um, as long as Nolan Smith is fine, you would think, you know, if Ojimo or McPherson are out for a significant period of time, um, those those will be interesting. Yep. Uh, to follow. Speaking about positions to watch, linebacker, the Eagles purposely didn't add a linebacker this week because they want to see these guys play. And sometimes in when you ask a question about a position, when uh, you know, because the coaches name everybody, right? They try to do that. But the first one that comes to the coach's mind is sometimes an indication of the way they're thinking. And who do you think was the first one that came to their mind? After, I mean, he said Nicobe Dean is, is our guy. But then who do you think was the first one he said? I like that Tonight? group. Yeah, after, after the game when Sirianni was talking about mm-hmm. the linebackers. Zach I, Cunningham? Yep. And then he was asked a question about Zach Cunningham, and he, he talked about how hard it is to throw over those long arms and when they were coaching. And he, he pointed out the two deflections that he had. The reason Zach Cunningham started tonight is they wanted to pair him with someone who could call the defense. And that's Nicobe Dean. Uh, but they are clear. I mean, I think Cunningham is the front runner to be that second starter next to Dean. Maybe Christian Ellis. I think um, it's I, I think I would say I would put the turkeys right now on on Cunningham and Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think as not pre- predicting what the Eagles want, but predicting what will eventually happen. I do think that Christian Ellis will uh, get the most time over the course of the season. But well, the lights just went off. The I stadium. think. Party's over. I think uh, Dean Cunningham and Ellis will be on the roster. Miles Jack did not play until the with the threes tonight. He didn't even rotate in those with the uh, the, the other guys on defense. Didn't play next to Nicholas Morrow. I think he did. Though, play, he played with the threes. He played yeah, with the threes. Yeah, he didn't yeah. play until yeah, the threes, threes. Um, yeah. which was di- different than last week when they were cycling yep. guys through. Um, I I think it's possible that through cut down, they keep just those three linebackers. And then see who's on the way. And see what happens. I can see that. I mean, I, I specifically asked Sirianni, uh, you know, what'd you learn about that group this week? He said, oh, I really like that group. <laughs> he said, you know, Dean, uh, you know, Dean's our guy, uh, Cunningham. Yeah. So and he I think it would be a very like. Um, There's only one guy he didn't mention. Ben Van Simmeren? Yeah. I think he did that on purpose. I think they, I think they kind of like Ben. Vincent. They like him. and They don't want that out. There. Yeah, okay. I think, I think he's yeah. he's ticketed for the practice squad. Um, I, I think it would be a funny Howie thing to keep like thirteen defensive linemen and three linebackers. <laughs> you, you know, you got to stick to what you believe in. You have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's true though. You don't look. Uh, and and this is what Bo is. I always butter Bo up, but it's it's true. This is why Bo does the 53 best. It's not about the 53 you you take the week one. It's about the 53 you want on that initial cut, and then you can start to do Well, and it's about cuts. how do you get how – how do you keep as many guys as possible exactly. in the building? Exactly. Um, so, like, you know, if, if it was Mario Goodrich and Zach McPherson, I would have leaned they keep Zach McPherson because – probably Mario Goodrich isn't going to get claimed. You can keep both guys in the building and people probably would claim Zach McPherson and, you know, things yeah. like that. We'll yeah. see. I wish it, our next, our next episode, we should, we should spend on going through the yeah. roster, yeah. Uh, going through the positions and uh, talking through the, the different roster machinations. Is um, this my camera or is this the lighting? I, I think, think it's the lighting. I think it's the lighting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's the lighting. Uh, so this uh, game ended in a tie, Zach. <laughs> yes. Yes, that, do you remember the last tie you saw? Yeah, Doug Peterson punting to tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched. Two. I watched against the Bengals. I, it was Joe. Joe Burrow's rookie year, and mm-hmm. I spent the day. This was 2020, uh, just watching Carson Wentz. Yes. Yeah. Good story. It was okay. It was a little long, I think. I if <laughs> this is a buttering bow up pod, 
but, but bonus Bo knows this is true. I taught it. Well, I taught a class this summer, as I talked about on here, and it, one of the modules was about original reporting on game day, like finding different ways to cover a team, and they all had to read that story. Oh, really? That one? That was one of them that they read. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I thought it was a really well done piece. Poor people. Um, what do you think of Nicobe Dean tonight? I have to go back and watch it. I mean, I. Uh, he obviously had the forced fumble there. That was, nice, that really was nice impressive. Play. Knifed into the backfield, ma- yeah. read it right away. And it's probably the first play that he's – I mean, he he had a chase down tackle last year, I remember. And what game did he get in? I think of the Titans game he got into I where he made right. a few plays. Um, but t- tonight was the first time he he really made made a difference. So I uh, – that and Nick Sirianni was especially pumped up for him. Um, yeah, they, they were getting just like – leaned on down the field. Yeah. Dorian Thompson Robinson was looking really sharp and they drove right down the field and they get to the two yard line and then Dean gets the ball out. Yeah. So I, I was, uh, I, I was impressed with that play. That's, that's, that's what you want to see more flash plays. Yeah. And he made a flash play there. Well, it's like I talked to, uh, you know, I, it would be hypocritical of me. Um, when I was talking about Christian Ellis, I think like the idea for, for splash plays is there. Like that's, I think yeah. at, the, at that position yeah, in today's day and age, that's, that's sort of what you want. Um, I, I remain a bit of a Nicobe Dean skeptic. Um, like I, I do think that he gets washed out of the play a little bit sometimes. Okay. Um, I think the size yeah, you are a size is there. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to complain about him, you know, making a nice play to force a fumble. That was, that was well done. Yeah. Um, depth chart wise in this game, I don't, I don't know that there are a ton of notes other than the linebacker stuff that you talked about. No Reed Blankenship again tonight. It was Terrell Edmonds and uh, Kayvon Wallace who started. Then you saw a little bit of Justin Evans there. You saw a little bit of Sidney Brown. Um, I thought he flat, I thought he was a little bit less, um, maniac tonight than he was in that last game against the Ravens. Um, on the outside, you had uh, Josh Job again getting the start. Uh, Keely Ringo, I thought, had a tough night. Uh, there were a couple plays where he – and it was, it, was, yeah. it was an interesting dichotomy with Eli Ricks where both of these guys were sort of in tight coverage on throws downfield, and Keely Ringo just – he couldn't find the ball. Uh, there, were, like, there was a throw from Thompson Robinson that he should have made it an easy interception on. And he couldn't get his head around. He didn't really uh, like stay in phase as the ball was there. And whereas Eli Ricks seems like he has much better ball skills and in a bit able to just sort of make a play on the ball. Pick six Ricks. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I'm 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 with you there. I, I I didn't think this was a good performance from Ringo, and he's been he's been hot and cold this summer. Um, more cold than hot, I would probably say. I would he's, say so. But he's had his he has had. His moments. One minor depth chart thing that came up because of injury, but I'm curious your thoughts on this. Alumni Zacchaeus was the top punt returner tonight. Uh, and as you brought up, are we sure Covey makes this team? Yeah. And we said, well, who else is going to return punts? I mean, Zacchaeus is going to be on the team. He'd be an interesting candidate to return punts if, if they like him there. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a way to save a spot. Yeah. Um, how about the running backs, Zach? Yeah, so uh, I thought Rashad Penny had a good run tonight. Uh, I mean, Gainwell got blown up on that safety, but I thought that was Josh. I mean, Josh Sills yeah, got blown up on that safety. Forgot what his job was. Yeah. Um, and so, but, but it, it's 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 worth noting Gainwell and Scott were up. Uh, DeAndre Swift did not play. Sirianni said this was going to happen last week, but there was there was uh, and I I get it because look, everyone loves fantasy football, but 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 there was this this wide. Um, kind of thought that, all right, well, Kenny Gainwell's RB, the top running back because he didn't dress. Now, Sirianni outlined what they were doing. Yeah. I think they're going to have a committee approach. Um, I'd be less concerned with who takes the first snap and more concerned with who, who takes the most snaps. Um, and uh, I've been saying this, Gainwell, they really trust situationally. Uh, he was that player last year, red zone, hurry up, or, uh, hurry up situations, um, two-minute situations. They use Gainwell, and I expect them to continue to use that. But I think Swift is their most explosive back. I think they also like the hard running that Penny gives them. So I think that all three are going to have roles. Yeah, I think that's right. I think they, I think they wanted to be Swift yeah. as the main guy. Yeah. Um, Trey Sermon, 
Uh, had a costly fumble, but also had a nice touchdown run. Sure. Uh, thanks to some uh, good blocking from one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Um, you think Sermon's got a shot? I mean, that touchdown run is the first nice play I've, I have seen him make. Yeah, so this is my thing with, with Sermon. I don't uh, – uh, so I had Sermon on my last 53 um, before the the uh, the Ravens game, and I didn't have Boston Scott on it because they can cut Boston Scott and uh, and then re-sign him or put him on the practice squad and elevate him. He's a vested veteran. I got a text from someone after that came out that said, uh, if if Boston Scott is uh, is available, then uh, Steichen or Reich will pick him up in a heartbeat. And I think that might be – I don't know if that's the case. But was it Gannon? It wasn't Gannon, no. Okay. No, it wasn't Gannon. Was it Jeffrey? It wasn't Jeffrey, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think uh, – I'm curious with that because so this is this Blink is if my, it was Roger Goodell. This is this is my rationale with Sermon. My rationale with Trey Sermon is that the, the Eagles are going to recycle he, this for back, the audio listeners. He did blink. The Eagles are going to recycle this backfield um, next season, or or, or they're going to do this this thing again where they bring in new faces. Sermon's under contract. If you think Sermon can fill like the penny roll next year, then you 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 might want to keep him on on the team because he's under contract. But you can't just keep carrying a running back to be your future third back. You have to think that. I just I think the league has spoken on his value. He 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 you know he was claimed on waivers last year, but they they couldn't get anything for him. It's not like he's done anything since until tonight. Like I don't sure, know. but but I don't think the league's spoken about his his value because he was claimed on on waivers. He's never been on the open market. Yeah, but he was claimed on waivers. They mm-hmm. couldn't get anything for him. Um, if, uh, via trade, you mean? Right. Okay. Um, and that was as a that was a second year player. It was a third yeah. round pick. Yeah. I, and I also think like if I think I've said this before, but if if uh, if if Kyle Shanahan and the Eagles don't don't think this running back is good enough, like he can't be that good. Well, Kyle Shanahan's like known for drafting running backs that he doesn't use, and then yeah, I mean he's a terrible drafter, <laughs> and then fine, yeah, yeah. but. He, he um, does have productive running backs. I feel like there's there really wasn't much else in this game. Uh, Tyler Steen had back-to-back penalties when he moved from left tackle to right guard. The, the, the offensive line play was pretty sloppy tonight. I still think Steen has, has been very good uh, all summer. Um, Sirianni was not happy about the pre-snap penalties, in particular that one on the field goal there. Mm. Uh, he he said wasn't those with the, the call game, or? With the, with the penalties. Uh, he gonna, said, "He can't. Don't be chewing out olive." He, no, he like, he's just saying. Guy's those been are, here for two days. <laughs> he said, "Those are the things that 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 cost you in games." Uh, uh, you been watching Hard Knocks? I haven't yet. I want to catch up. Oh. Been a little behind. Uh, the punter situation. Woody keeps, Johnson is such a joke. Yeah, you know, Woody fan. No, there's. A, I think the most revealing scene of the entire series so far was uh, Robert Sala uh, and Woody Johnson. And they're talking about Quinn and Williams, and and Sal is like, yeah, like that's you know that's why Joe and I said, you know, you know, advocated for us to pay this guy because he's you know not only is he so good, but he's like he's wired like that. He's he, he's you know he's he's not going to just let the money get to him. And uh, the only thing Woody says is it was a lot of money. <laughs> like if you're not happy to pay Quinn and Williams, <laughs> then why are you an owner? Like like why that's the that whole not- thing. <laughs> Like <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah, I mean it's uh <laughs> that is true. He paid a market value, right? Yeah, yeah. It's one of the best players in the league, one of the most important positions. Yeah, like, exactly. I thought a lot of money. <laughs> Send me back to Ireland. I don't think it was Ireland. Wasn't like, it Ireland? No, I think it was I think it was Great Britain, like uh the UK. Um, Are you sure? Yeah, I don't think it was Ireland. Okay, well, I, I think he, I think he was in London. It's a scumbag actually. anyway. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I, I don't know that. It's the first time I've gotten you to go on the record. No, I, I don't know that. Scumbag. I, I'll take that. Thank no, you. He, 149 a.m. on. No, no, on no. I was just moving on with the conversation. He's yeah. actually, he's been very kind to me. So I'm like, uh, I wrote a story back in 2010 on, um, I was at the Star Ledger, 2010. 
New Meadowlands Stadium was opening up, uh, now MetLife. And that stadium. I did a story on how that deal came together. And I had an opening anecdote. Uh, the governor at the time, I believe his name was Richard Cody. Uh, you know what that state, you know what he said about that stadium? What? Cost a lot of money. <laughs> no, the whole thing was about, um, I think the Jets' original proposal was for like this, this futuristic um, stadium. And then the Giants was like this really classy. Uh, <laughs> of course, know? that's how you described it in the story. <laughs> like, uh, stadium and and the it's like they were at odds, and it was almost gonna be like Soldier Field, <laughs> where mm-hmm. you know there's like this melting of, mm-hmm. of these two things. Uh, and so they kind of they, they came to this agreement on. I mean, it's kind of like a an antiseptic stadium, right? It's just very generic. Yeah, it sucks, right? <laughs> um, but so he liked that you wrote that it sucked. No, 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 no. But no, it was. Uh, I got kind of like a lot of background about the negotiations and all mm. that. And so I, I was, look, I was new at the star ledger at the time. And I appreciated, I appreciate the time that, that mm. was, that was granted. I, I was proud of that story. And I was like, Man. yeah, I mean, if a guy gives you uh, like 20 minutes of his time, that does not outweigh him being a bad human being. Although I don't know. I, <laughs> just, just for, just so no, you know, I, I recognize that, but I'm just saying, I'm saying like, uh, he was nice to me that year and I don't, okay. I can't speak any more. Otherwise I, I don't have enough information otherwise. Okay. It's like the, uh, you know, the, the classic, um, you know, someone who was nice to you uh, and mean to the waiter is not a nice person. Oh, I agree with that for sure. All right. I and mean, so, so someone who gives you a good interview and wait, but uh, I have a question and wait. voluntarily works for, wait, uh, I'm going to push it. Demon. So uh, that's not a good person. So you, but then when someone's nice to the waiter, you don't like that. I don't not like being nice to the waiter. I I don't I don't, don't like necessarily nice. agree. You get on that me being performative nice the with the waiter is being nice. Being, I wouldn't call it being performative. I would call it being being friendly, being conversational, being you know. I. I uh, we don't need to get into the whole. Uh, yeah, I was walking in tonight and. Um, I was I was with someone from the Browns and 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 they remarked, they said they said all the all the security people know you here, and I said I said yeah I say hello to every one of them and now they all have the their badges on right mm-hmm. so, but yeah I, I there's nothing wrong with with that. You had a great uh, we had a great moment in the press box today. Yeah, on the mm-hmm. outskirts of the press box. Out, outskirts of the press box. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's my son's first football Reed's game. Reed's first game. Yeah. Uh, he he wanted to see where I work. Um, you know, the coolest part about this job is you get to do what you love. The I don't want to say the worst part of this job, but, like, the downside of this job is you can't experience football through his eyes. Like, I'll never mm. be able to take him to a game, which is fine because, I, I I mean. Take a week off. No. I take him to that. one game. But uh, but he was so, – so he came to his first game with my uh, with my father-in-law tonight and um, – and, uh, he wanted to see the press box. I walked in. And where there. were they sitting? They were sitting with Marissa Dunn. One row. Coincidentally, one yes. row ahead. Yes. That's wild. Pretty cool. Um, what did you think of, of 68 tonight? I thought it looked good. Um, you know, there were a couple tough ones, again, where it's him and Christian Ellis. Like, there's no winners there. Um, Tough situation for for Michael. This this clip that's been going. Oh yeah, this clip that's been going around. Yeah, didn't like Jalen Carter. I didn't like that either. I heard. I heard. I heard some. um, uh, You know, some some scuttlebutt about that play, Mm. where uh, Bill Callahan, the Browns coach, was sort of like egging on Jalen Carter, like talking a little smack before that snap. He sort of was like writing a writing a check that. Michael Dunn had to cash. It doesn't seem very fair to Michael. It reminds me last year um, when they when when Brandon Graham was was trash talking. Uh, who was it? Um, someone who who Kelsey had to block. Oh yeah, yeah. Kelsey's yeah, like, yeah. you don't have to block. Yeah, it, was, it. it was Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And Kelsey's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, don't get this guy rattled up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. I don't know that there's much else from this game. No, there wasn't much else for this game. Ending of a week, uh, an important week for the Eagles. Uh, they had a good practice Tuesday. Not a great game tonight, but it was fine. Lean in there. Lean in here. 
it was fine. And then um, just setting the scene, the Eagles are back at practice Saturday, Sunday. Uh, and Tuesday, the Indianapolis Colts come to town. So you get to see your buddy Shane Steichen. Um, you, get see, you get to see your buddy Chris Boward. Uh, Matt Pryor still in the roster? No, he's on San Francisco. Uh, yeah. Um, that's too bad. I believe he's on San Francisco. Um, you get to see Gardner Minshew. They might have a few other guys that are familiar faces, but yeah, the Colts are in town. So that's, in, that's on Tuesday. And that's the last, uh, last practice of the summer that we get to see. That's right. Sad. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's my take. This is, a, this is the last thing I got. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little tired. So, uh, I, I have not had to deal with this. You know, I, I play I play the NL only uh, oh, okay. baseball league, right? Yeah, which is weird. Um, so you've had to deal with this. It's and such a, an antiquated concept. It's but, not antiquated. It's I think it's a better it, the, it, the, the, the roster the, crunch is better. It's more. And here's the thing. And this is why it's better because it's more reflective of like what a real roster would look like, right? That's the the entire purpose of fantasy sports. Is is to create some semblance of, uh, like, analogy to the real sport, right? And so, I do not understand why it is like the widely accepted way of doing things, and it's just this is how it is. That Shohei Otani, you can only play him as one thing. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, because it's, a, whole, week, it's he a weekly is, league, he, right? He is, yeah, a, 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 a like a unicorn of a player. He should be that. He, it should be reflected in fantasy. You should be able to play him as a hitter and a pitcher. That's insane that you can't. Yeah, yeah, it's I, really stupid. I agree. I agree. He should. Yeah, he should get stats for both. I agree. With and that. that's like that's how it is yeah. on all of these platforms, right? Yes, but if you're in a daily league, I think you can move them around. If you're in a weekly league, you got to set you got to set them. So typically, that's he, that is nuts. And he's also he's not like oftentimes you you try to take advantage of two start pit you know pitchers starting twice because of their spread out rotation. He doesn't really get the two starts that much either. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. He's he is a baseball player who does both things. Yeah, on your I'm, fantasy baseball roster, he should get to do both things. Yeah, I am. I am with you there. I am with you. I I'm with That's you so there. Dumb. I'm I'm against you on the NL only thing, but I'm I'm with you there. So where I I will disagree. I agree with you on the Otani point. Where I disagree with you is is I don't look at fantasy baseball for me at, at least as like how am I being a GM right now assembling the roster. I am looking at it like, all right, this is going to allow me to follow. You know, I'm not going to watch. Uh, all 30 clubs every night. Like this, this gives me a reason to be checking box scores every night. And like, the, well, sure. That's your purpose for on. doing it. But the, yes. the, the idea behind the game. Well, sure. Yeah. I got a really good farm system in my league. So I bet you do. Yeah. Jackson Shorio. Okay. That's one. Emmanuel Rodriguez. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Four draft picks next year. So how many, how deep are the farm farms? Uh, <laughs> you have four, um, you can have up to four minor leaguers, uh, and then you can, but the next year, so going into next year, you can either have two minor leaguers, two draft picks. You can only have four sp- s- spots between minor leaguers and draft picks. And you have four picks next year? Yeah, it's going to be trade bait. I, I've oh. accumulated picks. Okay. Yeah. Made some true trades. In what place are you in? Uh, I'm in fifth. Um, Out which, of 10 or 12? 16, 10 or 12, 16, okay. I'm at 16. Yeah. Not good enough. Not good enough to win, but fifth is the number one pick in the, uh, mm. in the prospect draft. Okay. And next year's a loaded prospect draft. I mean, you got Dylan Cruz, you got Walter Jenkins, you got Walker Jenkins, you got, um, uh, uh, Paul Skeens. Yeah. But I don't want pictures that are really the, um, Wyatt I, Langford. yeah, Wyatt Langford. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so there's some interesting players there. We don't need to be talking about this at 158. Okay. Yeah. I think the, the Otani thing is like, it's, I one agree. Those, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, what is everybody thinking? I don't, I don't understand this. I agree. Well, how did this become just widely accepted? I agree. I agree. All right. Uh, well, I think we're going to remember this night forever, Zach. 
Um, <laughs> this is the Tanner McKee. McKee to the city. That's what I give him. Mm, good pun. Yeah. Tanner Mc, McTurkey. Let's wrap this up. Okay. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. For Zach and Tanner and, and Marissa. And the bad lighting. Yeah. And the bad lighting. And Michael and Madison and Reed, his first game. We thank you for listening. We will uh, talk to you later. We'll tell you when that is. And as always, we love you. <laughs>